Rutgers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast, where you can find all the work we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. We tweet a lot about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers. Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender, is joining me for the interview portion of this podcast today. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. He is also the host of the Packers Trilogy podcast, so make sure you are checking that out as well. As I said, today we are having an interview, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we get there, just want to wish all the fathers out there in the world a happy Father's Day. A um, little late, I guess, because this podcast is coming out on Monday, but hopefully you're able to enjoy your weekend with your dad, uh, especially here in Wisconsin. Things are starting to opening up a little bit more, so hopefully you got to do something a little bit normal, to say the least. So although baseball is currently not on track to do anything near normal for, you guessed it, the saga continues. Negotiations are still going on, uh, and, and with recent reports of coronavirus um, getting into some of the camps in specific with the Phillies. I think the Blue Jays might have been another team in their in their organizations. It kind of puts a damper on things and makes, makes things seem like uh, maybe we won't have baseball this year. Maybe. Uh, who knows? But the negotiations are still going on and that's why this week we decided to bring in another guest to kind of go over the MLB draft get another look at it, not just Trevor and I's, and then also just talk some Brewers prospects who's in the organization that maybe is floating a little bit under the radar and maybe you haven't heard of before. So Matt Carroll of Reviewing the Brew is joining us for that interview. So without further ado, we will transition into that. All right, and welcome to the podcast. Matt Carroll, a fellow Reviewing the Brew contributor like myself. He is joining us today to talk about the MLB draft and some few Brewer prospects. So Matt, thank you for joining the show today. Uh, Thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Excited to be here. Awesome. So Matt informed us he's a loyal listener as well. So that was that was good to hear. So he's obviously heard all of our thoughts on the MLB draft, but we're curious to kind of get another perspective, which is why why we brought you on today. So getting started into the draft, I'm kind of curious what your overall thoughts were. Are you okay with the Brewers taking five hitters? Would you have liked to seen a pitcher or what do you got for general thoughts here? So I know when I kind of, when I started going in, I was hoping for some pitchers. Um, But after the draft took place and I kind of had some time to think about it, um, I actually liked the direction 
that they went in. Um, five hitters, particularly coming from college, um, so they're a little bit farther developed, I think is a great move. For the reviewing the Bureau site, I had written up some draft grades, and I uh, mentioned towards the end that if you take a look at the Brewers' top 30 prospects on MLB Pipeline, it tries to predict when each of those prospects is set to hit the majors. Ten of them were originally, before everything that happened, set to hit the majors in 2020. Ten of them were set to hit the majors. Seven of those ten are pitchers. So a lot of our like top-end, almost MLB-ready talents are all pitching. So it makes total sense then to grab you know, a bunch of hitters that maybe can work their way up the chain a little bit faster and then kind of add to that mix. So um, I like it. I like that they got you know some versatility in a lot of those players, a lot of different kind of tools. They, I've, I've seen the word toolsy so many times since the draft ended, and it describes a lot of the guys they got. So, you know, I uh, in my piece, I, I gave it an A. I flip-flop back and forth between A and A minus, but I just think they got such good value and versatility that it deserved that top grade. And there are a couple other sites that, you know, rank them highly as well. And speaking of an A, you also gave Garrett Mitchell that pick an A um, for your draft grades and stuff like that. So first off, how do you feel about the pick? Obviously you gave it an A, so you're feeling pretty good about it. But also where do you kind of peg him in the Brewers prospect board? I looked at one from Bleacher Report that um, came out shortly after the draft and he was number one. Do you kind of agree with that? Or do you think he's a little bit farther down on the Brewers prospect ratings? Honestly, I actually do agree. I think at worst he is, you know, top three, but I, I really do think when those updated rankings come out, he'll be number one. You know, he, he was the number six rated prospect on MLB pipeline and dropped all the way down to the Brewers at 20, which is awesome. You know, Good value like that is how you get a draft grade of an A. But he's got, you know, you guys touched on, you know, a lot of the grades that he has. Um, 70 grade speed up to 80, depending on the site. 60 grade hit tool, 60 grade arm. You know, he can he, he can field, he can hit, he can run, he can do everything. As far as I can tell, the only reason he, not only reason, but one of the main reasons he dropped was the medical concern, having him having had, type 1 diabetes since he was 9, but he's had it since he was 9 and can manage it. So clearly the Brewers are plenty comfortable with that. Um, he had an OPS of 871 for his whole NCAA career, and that's playing in a Pac-10 school. So he can hit against competition. In terms of, again, just kind of where he'll rank in the prospect list, his tools rank just even that little bit higher than Terang when he came out. So I, I don't know. For me, it's hard to see him not and getting starting off even above Terang. And Terang's sitting right at that uh, high A level right now. I don't know if he would have started the season at double A um, if the minor league season would have gone on. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see him not being number one at worst, probably number two. Yeah, looking at the Brewers prospect board, I mean, guys one through eight right now in the top 30 are all kind of at that a advanced a uh, rookie ball level minus number three mario felicianos uh in double a so kind of adding someone who could be potentially close to mlb ready 
in a few years is huge. And obviously getting him at 20 was a big steal. If you had to guess with Garrett Mitchell, what would you kind of see his minor league progression looking like? Um, obviously, he probably won't be able to play like start at the Timber Rattlers like it feels like many minor leaguers do in years previous after the draft. Um, so kind of do you have an idea of what that might look like? I mean, Ethan Small was pretty highly regarded and he even still started at the rookie league team for just a little bit before he moved on. Um, so Mitchell probably will too, just to get that quick seasoning. It's it's hard to tell because we before all this uh, the stoppage happened and now the negotiations and stuff, there was the talk of minor league contraction. So we don't even know what the Brewers minor league system is going to look like come next year. Um, so it very well could be the Timber Rattlers, but that could be because they're the lowest place to put him outside of starting off at the complex. So. I personally, I I think he will hit Timber Rattlers, e- even if it were the same system. I think he'd hit Timber Rattlers pretty fast. You could potentially even see him up at Carolina, um, but I wouldn't go any farther than that in his first year. They have a pretty strong track record of easing guys in. So let's change just a little bit. One more question about specifically 2020 draft prospects that we got is another one that you mentioned in your article that you said earlier about the draft grades is this is the only one that you gave an A other than that Garrett Mitchell pick, and that's Hayden Contrell um, in the fifth round. So you mentioned that it's great value. So we kind of talked about him on last week, Wednesday's podcast, about, you know, you kind of have to look past his 2020 season, and that might be part of the reason why he dropped. But just as a value addition um, at shortstop in the fifth round, I just I just feel like I need you to get us hyped and the rest of our listeners hyped for this pick because I just feel like it's such a great value, even though it is technically the last round of the draft um, for this year. For sure, no, I a lot of his where his grade came from, like you said, is uh, from the value. Um, he was one eighteen on the board for MLB Pipeline, so. In the fifth round, that's great value. He was a 40th round draft pick out of high school. So, you know, the potential was there even back then. Um, And then he went and played for the good old uh, Raging Cajuns. You know, as a sophomore, his numbers, uh, 405 on base percentage is great. He was 50 for 57 in stolen bases for his college career. So he's got the speed. He had 28 as a sophomore. And then um, it was mentioned that he was just one of six Division I players last year with 25 stolen bases and 25 extra base hits. he Yes, he got off to a slow start in 2020, but I I can't remember where I saw it. I want to say it was Will Salmon from The Athletic mentioned that he he does that every year. Um, he started off with a 100s average in his freshman and sophomore year as well over roughly the same amount of games and ended up finishing the season strong. But if you want a reason to get hyped, um, if I went back and looked at Terang's grades by MLB pipeline coming out of the draft in 2018 and they're almost exactly the same as Cantrell they have the same 60 grade run same 55 grade arm Um, Cantrell actually has a high no Terang I'm sorry had a higher um, hitting and fielding tools but only by five 55 to 50 and then they have the same 40 grade power so I mean right there that's pretty darn close to each other. Three of their grades were exactly the same. Two of them were just five off 
So the Brewers clearly saw that there's, you know, that potential there. And if you compare it to a former first round pick for us, it's no, am I saying they're going to be exactly the same? No, not necessarily. But uh, there's a reason that even other sites gave the Brewers credit for that good pick in the fifth. That's a really interesting comparison because, I mean, you can find value in just about anywhere in the MLB draft in a normal 40 round. But to hear them scouting grades very comparable to the number one prospect in our organization is is kind of cool. But as I was kind of alluding to, you can find talent and value anywhere. And the undrafted free agent signing period has officially begun. So teams are kind of get a free for all on everyone. And. To date, to the best of my knowledge, the Brewers have signed three guys, TJ Shook, Jason Murch, and Drew Smith. And you don't have to touch on all of them, but do any of these guys excite you at all? Um, I did. I do like Drew, but I think Murch out of um, Concordia is someone that I'm really interested in seeing here. He, If you look at those stats, and I know he played for an NAIA team, sorry, but... 26 innings pitched, zero ERA, didn't give up a run in that little bit of time in 2020. 59 strikeouts. For reference, that is equivalent to a 20.4K per nine, wow. which is would be outlandish. Uh, Hader led the league with 16.4 last year, and that was by a full K per nine. So is that going to perfectly translate? Well, no, obviously not. But obviously when someone is you know whiffing people at that rate then it's easy to see why there's uh maybe a little something there to take a look at so yeah i i'm just i'm I'm interested to see how he translates against a little bit better competition i remember writing up that jason mersh article for reviewing the brew and big tall lefty uh yeah that i can see why the brewers were interested in him and he was projected to be somewhere around at best a 20th round pick had the draft been a full 40 rounds so again not unheard of to to come out of that that smaller and lesser competition and contribute against the big boys so only time will tell there with him kind of switching gears out of the draft and into the brewers organization itself thinking to not only the top 30 prospects, but outside of them as well, because I know you follow the minor leagues quite closely. Do you have a favorite prospect or two that you're really excited about and just kind of want people to know more about? Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go with two here (laughs) because for the sake of sounding cliche, it's like picking your favorite child. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to go with a hitter and a pitcher. Um, Hitting-wise, Mario Feliciano, I've been kind of championing championing him for a while and then he really ended up leaping up the last top 30 update for the brewers he is now at uh, number three behind just terang and small um he's a catcher who spent most of last year for the mudcats and then ended up uh playing the very end of it in biloxi he was even with not a full season uh with the mudcats he was still named the carolina league mvp um, he had 19 home runs in 113 games. Um, he's got he is tied for the highest power grade in all of the top 30 with 55 grade power. There's two catchers kind of in our top 30 that have potential down the road, and it's him and Peyton Henry. Henry's considered kind of the more defensive one, whereas Feliciano is the more offensive one. Um, but he still has a 50 plus grade arm, so he's worked on a lot of 
um, his kind of average uh, ratings defensively and has, you know, worked on pitch framing, worked on blocking, a lot of those things to become much more serviceable. And he's someone who I think uh, definitely in a few years here could be, you know, taking over for, you know, Manny Pena. Um, Pena's in his 30s. We're going to need, you know, someone to replace him eventually. We've got Narvaez um, as the main guy, but Feliciano, I think, will be right there eventually. And then for pitching, um, it's he's he has been one of my absolute favorite guys in the organization, as I've said for a while. Dylan File, he went between, same thing, uh, between Biloxi and Carolina last year. He actually spent much more time at uh, AA Biloxi. Um, he is has the top-rated control of any of our prospects in the top 30 at 60 grade. And you can tell why. Um, he has a 3.24 ERA, um, but his strikeout-to-walk ratio is 136 strikeouts to just 22 walks <laughs> between both high A and double A. So as he got up to Biloxi, his ERA was actually lower with the Shuckers than it was with the Mudcats. So, you know, that's the type of guy who, if you can control the zone you have such a better chance of making it in the majors. So I see him as a starter. You know, a lot of those guys, you can never quite tell whether the team's going to want them as to eventually be a starter or a reliever. But um, the way he pitches, controls the zone, limits his pitch counts, um, I could absolutely see him on a rotation at some point. So, um, And he is one of those players, actually, who was um, predicted to potentially crack uh, the majors in 2020 per pipeline. I didn't. I don't see it happening quite that fast. I mean, I didn't before all of this, but uh, he he is definitely one to look out for among uh, many of the pitchers down there. Yeah, you just got me really excited about Dylan File now. All of a sudden, he's kind of one of those guys who goes a little bit under the radar. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know exactly like? You know, what's his stuff look like? You you talked about his great command. Is it like a Zach Davies, high 80s, low 90s fastball type of, type of thrower? Or does he have more velocity than that? Or what are we working with with that Dylan File? Um, he, he's, he's definitely a pitcher with, with stuff. He's, you know, low to, he's mid 90s on a good day, but I'd say he's closer to low 90s. Curveball that's uh, not quite, I wouldn't say Ben Sheets, 12 to 6 or anything like that, um, but it does have some break to it. Um, and he does throw change up every once in a while. So he's just, oh, and uh, his slider. I, how, how could I forget about his slider? <laughs> he does, he has a good mix of pitches, but it's it's that he can throw pretty much anything and hit anywhere in the zone when he wants to. That's the part that, you know, a lot of pitchers struggle with. And, you know, you can teach and you can teach and you can teach and eventually they might get it. But when if you start off with that quality, you're so much farther along. Yeah, and that that does sound good because we have had, you know, pitchers recently that kind of struggle with that. I mean, I'm still, like, number one fan of Corbin Burns, but obviously he has had some issues with location and stuff like that. Even Hader had some home run issues. Granted, Tyler fixed that. All he has to do is throw a slider a little bit more. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I do find that extremely great to have a pitcher that's coming up in our system that has that and hopefully has a little bit more than just control because I think Zach Davies is a fine pitcher but if his control is off a little bit like it he can get hit around the ballpark if he's got at least a little bit of something even if his controls off a little bit on a certain day hopefully he's able to kind of erase 
the little bit of control issue, um, which I'm sure he hasn't had a lot of, but to have a little bit more something worth of stuff behind your control, I just feel like can make it a lot easier to get to the majors and be effective when you get there. One guy that I want to ask you about is Bryce Terang. And I just want to know your thoughts. And obviously with this whole coronavirus and not knowing what's going to happen with the MLB season and the minor league season, all of that kind of stuff, when is Bryce Terang going to be ready for the Brewers? Is it going to be 2021, 2022, or is it even after that yet? Yeah, I th- I think it'll be a little bit after that. Um, he, on Pipeline site, was projected for 2022. And again, that was before everything. Um, even before this, he struggled a little bit um, when he jumped to the Mudcats last year. He did great with the Timber Rattlers. Um, batted 287. 384 on base percentage, 21 steals. He he showed what he need to, needed to show in his first season with Wisconsin, so he got the subsequent promotion. Um, but then he only batted 200 at Carolina. Um, he went on a little bit of a streak towards the end of the season, um, but then cooled off uh, one more time and then settled at 200. So that's, you know, he would at the very least have to start there again um, this year. He did get a little bit of action with the Brewer Spring training. So obviously they, you know, think he's far enough along where they wanted to see him in that setting as well. But he's still young. He's 20 years old. It's a little early to be, you know, even thinking about that with him, I think, just in that sense. Um, if you look at some of the other, you know, young guys who've debuted for the Brewers, Peralta was 21 years old when he debuted. Electric when he first came, but he's gone through his struggles um, Arcia was 21 year old when he debuted and we've, we've all talked about him enough about how he's been, you know, kind of up and down since, um, Hero was 22. So a little bit farther along. Um, but I would say Hero was significantly more advanced hitting wise than, uh, Terang was coming out of college. So, um, I don't know that that's a fully fair comparison to make anyway. So I would say 2023 now, you know, pe- guys can go on, you know, figure a certain thing out and go on a tear in the minors. Um, Hero's entire minor league career was on a tear. Um, but look at Grisham last year. Um, he spent years and years and years, and then all of a sudden, you know, something clicked. He made that change to his batting grip uh, or whatnot and then ended up just making his way to the big league. So things can happen. I just I need to see a little bit more out of him than I saw at the end of last year before I can expect him to advance any faster. Yeah, and in a minor league system where, we, again, we struggle, we're one of the worst in the MLB, it, it, you can make that jump pretty quick, as you alluded to with with Grisham there last year. So let's end with one more question here. And again, this one might be a little bit more hypothetical because we don't know what a potential 2020 season might look like, but there was talks once upon a time of a taxi squad being available. What the rules and regulations are, Nobody really knows, but I'm kind of curious to what prospects you think could help if they were on a taxi squad for the Brewers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a, I got a few guys here um, that I'll try and touch on real quickly, um, and they're all pitchers because um, you know we know that even in a normal season, Council loves to taxi squad his pitchers. So if with expanded rosters, he's got even more of a chance to do that. Um, Bobby Wall, you know, we've been, we were hoping we got to see him for the first time last year. He ended up having that freak ACL injury. Um, He ended up 
finishing Arizona Fall League. Um, he started off rough. He ended up finishing four innings scoreless in four outings, seven strikeouts, just a hit and a walk. So, you know, he started to show towards the end of the fall that he was coming back from his injury. And I think he, even if he didn't start on the 26-man roster in a normal season, he was going to be a contributor down the line. Angel Perdomo uh, hasn't made it past double A, but he was really showing out in spring training. Um, he didn't give up a run in four innings pitched and struck out 10 of the 15 guys he faced, which is insane for a guy who um, hasn't been anywhere close to the majors yet for the Brewers. So I think he would definitely be an option. He's on the 40-man roster. He was a late add at the end of 2019. Um, so he's you know, a little bit easier to bring up than some of the other uh, non-40-man roster guys, but he definitely made an impression this spring. Um, and then I'm going to throw one name at you guys that is kind of my dark horse here. Um, Luke Barker is a guy who pitched at the back end of the rotate, not rotation, I'm sorry, back into the bullpen for both the Shuckers and the Missions last year. Undrafted free agent. He had a 1.48 ERA as primarily a setup guy to Nate Greep for the Shuckers. 1.48, um, actually did pull in eight saves himself, got the promotion to Triple A, and then lowered his ERA to 1.20. Um, and that was pretty much when he was setting up Jay Jackson, when Jay Jackson was still in AAA. Um, he held opponents to a 122 batting average last year. So he was, in both levels, he was dang near lights out as a guy who came up in clutch situations. So I think especially there's been talks of, you know, are they going to let teams, if a season ever does start this year, are they going to let them carry more than the 40-man or not? I don't know, but... Even if it was just 40 man, I could see him getting added to it at some point and um, really coming on strong out of nowhere. Yeah, and that I literally have never heard of that guy. So that is that is interesting. I, I'm looking at the Brewers top 30 prospects right now, and I I can't help but notice some names that you didn't mention for that taxi squad. And just a few of them. Drew Rasmussen is one. Trey Supak is another. Do you think that is a possibility for those two players to also be up there? And both of them, granted, this was before everything has happened, but they their ETA on the MLB site was 2020. So are those options for that taxi squad as well, do you think? Rasmussen, yes, I would definitely agree with that. Um, he was one that um, I felt was a little more obvious almost um and you grabbed at him right away for sure he has actually the highest graded fastball of the top 30 at um i can't oh i had 70 70 great thank you yeah very good fastball he made it from low a to double a in just a year last year coming off of um tommy john so the guy's clearly got talent um i absolutely think he would be able to contribute next year uh had he had a rough triple a season to end 2019 so not that he couldn't um for double a he was amazing he ended up being southern league pitcher of the year he fell short at one out short of a no hitter twice last year in double a so he's definitely got talents um but he just he got rocked so much 
at AAA. And, you know, there were talks about the juice ball at AAA. So, you know, who knows what could have caused it. I think the potential's there for sure. Um, and I've been excited about his eventual debut. But I think they just, they're probably going to want to just be, you know, a, just a little bit more sure that he is past, you know, whatever he ended the season with next year before they officially, last year before they bring him up. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. That was a lot of good information on guys that we don't normally think about. So it's good to learn about all of them. And I think that will do it for us here. So thank you for joining the show, Matt. It was awesome. I hope we can do this again. And before we get out of here, can you just give my listeners an idea of where they can all find the work you do? Because I know you do some other things besides reviewing the brew as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, do writing for Reviewing the Brew uh, for the Fan Sided Network. I'm going to do some work here and there for Dairyland Express, um, which is kind of the Wisconsin-themed Fan Sided site, um, dabbling a little bit with kind of Bucks and Badgers. Um, And then, of course, you can find me on Twitter, at MKEMatt13. All right, everyone, definitely worth a follow. Lots of good content about anything wisconsin sports related which of course is what we're all about so thank you for joining it's been great thank you i really appreciate it guys thank you matt